Doing it live on a Tuesday, Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter. It is the Dubcast, and uh, in a million years, I did not think I would be doing uh, a podcast. Well, doing a podcast, period, but doing a podcast <laughs> where where the the lead is reacting to a press conference where Thad Mata has been fired and has quoted the Grateful Dead and is in tears. Um, not in a million years did I think that. Uh, during the time that I covered Thad Mata's program, it was as good as any in the country. Uh, the stretch that he had, starting with Evan Turner's National Player of the Year season through Deshaun Thomas's year when they were a, a game away from the Final Four for the second straight year, which would have been for the second straight year, was as good as any run that any school had in the country. Uh, is that good? Um, and it was it was incredible what that program was. It was incredible what he built. It seemed impossible at the time to come up with any scenario where Thad Mata would be fired in the summer by Ohio State. And yeah. I'm still not – I knew that the, you and I did the, the, uh, the Rest in Peace Ohio State basketball podcast two months ago <laughs> and they lost to Rutgers and said, look, it's done. This is inevitable. It's, he's dead man walking. We knew all those things. But I still thought there was some part of me in the back of my mind that thought he will get to walk away on his own. And if it's next year, it'll be with a nudge. But he will at least be able to walk away with – you know, with some a little bit of dignity and on his own terms, and to have to be fired uh, on a Monday in June, Johnny, I just never in a million years. And it's odd in that it's similar. I, you could ask me the same feelings about Trestle. Right. And he went down on Memorial Day, so I thank him for not re- wrecking a holiday weekend for me. Um, but but other than that, it is it is a stunning turn of events, and um, we're 24 hours or better since it's happened, and I still can't quite wrap my my mind around how we got here. Uh, welcome to high state, man. I mean, that's, you know, like <laughs> if, if you're not, you don't have results and they think they can have somebody better. And, and, you know, we kind of talked about this before we started recording, they got somebody waiting in the wings and they knew who it's going to be like, you're out. Bye. Like, thanks for the two final fours. Thanks for the big 10 championships. Yeah. You know, thanks for I the, just thought he, know. to me, he just, I, I just thought that he deserved a year, another year and probably better than he got. Um, he did. on this but he's front. not going to get it from um, Ohio State. Like that's right, and that's you know I think there's a I think once we get separation from this, and you think about the amount of wins that he racked up, mm-hmm. you think I I believe this emphatically that he is the most important basketball coach in the history of the program, without question. Yeah. I, I don't you know you can Fred Taylor me all you want. I mean this program was in the depths of despair, and his recruiting class with Connolly and Odin changed the course of history, and it set the table for this run where Ohio State, and by the way, this run happened while the football program was down, much of it, the most important part of it, happened while Tatgate was going on and Luke Fickle and all that stuff, and the basketball program was great. You remember that game when they played Duke and uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade showed up and sat courtside? I mean, that's what the Ohio State, that's not that long ago, No, right? And this is... That was like three, four years ago. The thinking was that this was always... uh, Doug Maurice at Cleveland.com wrote about this today, and I have a lot of respect for Doug. And he said, you know, we always... He and I always talked, and and he said, we always thought this was the perfect job for Thad because he could get paid as a top 10 coach. He had top 10 facilities, top 10 talent to recruit, and yet there wasn't top 10 pressure. Turns out there was. We didn't know it, but there was. I never thought that this was the standard. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, Thad Mata, what I think is interesting about all this is how the standards for Ohio State have changed so drastically in the last two decades. Thad Mata does this in the mid-90s. He coaches another 10 years, right? Like, nobody cares. But I think where they're at as a 
you know, as an athletic department and what they're trying to accomplish with their sports, especially their revenue generating sports is that's unacceptable. And I think that happened during his tenure, which is why maybe it's so shocking for some people because you, first of all, you have this expectation that you're always going to be great and that you're going to continue to have final fours and all this other stuff, but also the idea that you know, what came before him and a 17 and 15 season here and there is certainly not a death sentence for, any of his predecessors. So I, I just think that it's, it's something that Thad Mata probably didn't adjust to as quickly as maybe he should have. in, in terms of that, uh, I think maybe he thought that his job was a little safer because of that. And uh, that's just not the reality. I mean, Ohio state has certain ideas for what they want their basketball program to be. And they're thinking Duke, right? They're thinking North Carolina. Now I don't think they're going to be that. I don't think that's the kind of job. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but that's the way they envision themselves. And you want to coach, that feels the same way. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Thad Mata feels that way too, but yeah, any slip, he did that. Yeah. I and mean, he did build that. That's what he built. I mean, but not consistently. That. And that's what Ohio state wants. They yeah, want a guy like Krzyzewski and all these other, that's, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. But I mean, other programs have dips too. Sure. I mean, even Carolina's had dips with Roy Williams. I mean, there's, there's dips. Sometimes it happens, especially as, as volatile as college basketball is right now. Oh, yeah. Where, where these kids are one and done and they're that's the AAU issue is just an enormous one. You're right. He didn't adapt to it. I asked the question, how did we get here? Um, how did we get to a point where Thad Monica can get fired in the June, in June of 2017 on a random Monday? Well, here's, there's a couple of things you can point to. Um, the first thing I think you can point to is Jared Sullinger's sophomore year. I think it starts there. And that year they got to the final four and that was a great year, but Jared Sullinger came back for his sophomore year under the, under the belief that he would be playing the four and that Amir Williams would play the five and that Jared Sullinger would be able to float and be a stretch four and get his game right on the perimeter to play at the next level. Well, what happened very clearly was that Amir Williams wasn't ready. And you could argue Amir Williams was never ready, but he certainly wasn't ready as a freshman. And so Jared Sullinger played the post. He played the post the whole year and he put up another all american year and all those things but his in the eyes of himself and the people around him his game did not improve and he went from being a top 5 pick in the nba draft to a pick in the 20s and it cost him millions of dollars that he'll never get back because his nba career may be over at this point we don't know um but he'll never get that money back off that first contract and what that did was that poisoned the water that started to poison the water in the ohio aau circuit that's number one. Mm. Number two, the Shannon Scott, Amir Williams class. There were people in Ohio who believed in Trey Burke and they were right. And Thad signed Shannon early and he wouldn't pull the scholarship for him when he didn't, when he realized he wasn't the player he thought he was going to get. Um, but this was an example of taking a bunch of out of state kids instead of the Ohio kids. So that's when that started. So Sullinger, Shannon Scott, though that that's the same year, right? Those Sullinger's second year is Shannon Scott's freshman year. Oh, yeah. The I other thing that happened that year is Shannon Scott, Amir Williams, LaQuinton Ross, all those kids, and Scooney Penn deserves credit for this. All the, he's he brought this to my attention. I hadn't thought of it. All those kids were McDonald's All Americans. All of them sat the bench. Yep. They all sat. And that bugs AAU coaches when McDonald's All Americans sit the bench. They didn't play. Some cases, some of them never played, <laughs> but they, <laughs> <Right>. they never played. <laughs> if, yeah. if, so so th- that starts it. 
that starts the downfall. Then you miss the kids in Ohio. That that comes next. Then the 2000, I think, 15 recruiting class where he loses an entire class, the class that was supposed to change it around, the top five consensus class, grand staff, all those kids, Mitchell kid, all those kids, and they're all gone, and you get nothing out of it. Right. So when you ask the when I ask the question, how did this happen? Those sequence of events are how it happened. And if you can't recruit, and you don't, he he lost, he lost the identity of the program. Yeah. Because he he wanted to recruit with Carolina and Duke and Kentucky, and didn't have the juice for it. And he didn't have the Ohio base anymore after Sullinger, after what happened to Sullinger's second year. And by the way, Jared was still a first-team consensus All-American. Like, he had a great year. But in the eyes of the people in AAU and around and the people around Jared, and Jared deserves some blame for this too. Jared came back out of shape. We all remember that year. It took a while for Jared to get going. He had the plantar fasciitis. He couldn't get healthy, all those things. And a lot of that's because he was carrying a lot of weight. Um, so he had some culpability to this too. But people around Jared would have, I know, have never really forgiven Thad for that year that Jared's game was not improved to be NBA ready. So that Shannon Scott over Trey Burke, the Shannon Scott out of state class, all those McDonald's all Americans that sat and then losing the identity of your program and totally blowing the 2015 class. That's how this happened. It's more that than anything. Uh, it's more that than wins and losses or anything else. It's really a lack of program identity. Now, the other thing I would add, and I know I'm being long-winded here, but I want to get some of these facts out. Or no, yeah, Some it. of this is my belief and some of it's facts. Yeah. Um, the other timeline is, is how does this happen now? So this is what I believe, and I'd bet a pretty good bottle of bourbon that this is the way this happened. There's a <laughs> conversation between Thad and Gene in March. That conversation goes similar to those who have listened regularly the way that I said it would, which was Gene says to Thad, hey, we got to pick it up. Thad's response is, Go F yourself. I built the program. Not that contentious, but you understand. He's cannot understand how someone could question. I can understand how Thad could not question understand how someone could even question what he's doing with the program or why he would have to get a vote of confidence. I'm sure he thinks right. that's absolutely absurd. Um, but he does. It's agreed upon that we've got a year to get this thing right. Since that meeting, on one timeline, Thad Mata and the the kid whose name I forget from Cincinnati, who basically buried him when he decommitted and said, you know, uh, uh, how can I go there? They're going to go to the NIT. So that kid happens. Darius Baisley, is that his name? I, uh, I think that's something like that. Head. Doesn't even matter. Uh, Jaquan Lyle is off the team. Gets in trouble in Indiana. Is off the team. Right on a on a similar timeline. Gene Smith has his list of guys because every AD has his list. And now, during that time, since the meeting with Thad, he's having conversations with people about the job. And the reason that this happened now is because Gene got assurances from his guy. Now, it might not be your guy or my guy or whoever's listening's guy, but he got assurances from his guy that he'll take the gig or that they will entertain the offers. And that's why this happened on a Monday in June. That's yeah. the timeline, I believe, that happened, and that's why this happened on a Monday in June. I, I would not I would not take that back because I'm pretty sure you're dead on with that. And, you know, they never they're not going to make a move unless they have something really concrete. So, uh, you know, I, I think you'll probably see, like you said, an announcement here pretty soon. Um, I, I guess two things that I've been thinking about since this was announced is, is one, Thad Mata's legacy, because I've always enjoyed him as a coach and as a person. Um, I, I think because of his 
maybe inability to create an identity for Ohio State. I, I think that's going to hurt his legacy somewhat, uh, despite the fact that he had you know enormous success. And I also think that this new hire, I mean, we talk a lot about the success that Gene Smith has had as an athletic director and, and the, his enormous successes. This is going to be it. I mean, if he is able to really pull a rabbit out of his hat and, and get a big-time name in this coaching search, then I think that cements him you know, in the pantheon of like administrators at Ohio State, because the the stuff that he might be able to do is is going to be completely game changing for revenue sports at Ohio State with Meyer and everything else. Um, but this is a big moment because they could easily pick a guy that doesn't work out and sets Ohio State back even further. They're not look; the team is not going to be good next year. <laughs> they mm-hmm. they have a no lot. They could they hire Phil Jackson. Well, that's what they're I'm not going to be worth a damn. No, right. And so you've got to find a guy who is going to be able to rebuild the program, much like Thad Mata had to. And those guys don't just, you know, come around every single day. So for me, this is a really critical moment in Ohio State basketball's history, and it's going to define, in my opinion, the next, you know, three to five years because you don't want to have to be jumping around from coach to coach to coach. All right, you brought up two legacy points. Let's start with Gene and then go to Thad. Okay. This Gene's as an athletic director, you are you are judged on two things: build buildings, right, and the hiring and firing of of football coaches and men's basketball coaches. That's it. That's the list. We can talk about volleyball and wrestling and tennis and all the other things that Ohio State is great at, and it's wonderful for you and I to talk about, and it's great for the alumni and all those things. But none of those things define a legacy of an athletic director. An athletic director is defined by who he hires and fires in the two jobs that matter most. And can he build buildings? So here's the problem for Gene. At this point, he hasn't built any buildings. The Schottenstein Center was already built, right? Right. So at this point, he doesn't have any buildings. So we know he's planning on building a bunch of buildings. (laughs) That's coming. I mean, we've seen the plans. He's building the buildings. John, you and I both know that he gets no credit for Urban Meyer. None. Right. That was back-channeled. He comes in at the last minute, fine, but that was not his hire. He'll never get credit for it, and he will never, in the eyes of the fans, if you want to think about Gene Smith standing in the eyes of the fans, just remember this. When they introduced Urban Meyer, they had to have Archie Griffin do it because Gene was going to get booed at a basketball game. Think about that. Gene Smith was going to introduce Urban freaking Meyer, and they had to have Archie do it because they were afraid Gene was going to get booed. That's a fact. So... This, the other thing is women's basketball, which is the next most important of the three, for whatever reason, he tried <laughs> to get Don Staley and she said no. Right? right. All right. Don Staley did was win a national championship this year at South Carolina. So he yeah. tried to get Don Staley. She said no. She goes to South Carolina. So he gets McGuff. McGuff's been fine, but he's not, for a million dollars a year, he's not the program game changer that they were hoping. No. Right? And he's about ready to run out of Kelsey Mitchell eligibility. So that goes by the wayside too. So this hire, you look at Gene's age, this hire is the defining moment of Gene Smith's tenure. He didn't hire Thad Mata, he fired him, and now he's going to replace him. And if he misses on this, boy, you can build all the volleyball facilities you want. None of it's going to resonate at all. The best example of this is Jeremy Foley at Florida. He hired Urban Meyer and Billy Donovan. He also hired Ron Zook and uh, <laughs> Muschamp. And no one thinks about Muschamp and Zook at Florida. They think about Donovan and Meyer. Right. And that's it. 
They are the legacy-defining hires. And for Gene, that's what this is right now. This is the biggest moment of Gene's tenure as the athletic director at Ohio State. This is his biggest one. He yeah. knows it. It's also his last one, probably, because of his age. Um, I don't think he's going to be around another 10 years. Um, and unless this thing just goes way off a cliff, and I don't think it will because I think he knows who he's going to hire, he, this will be his last chance to hire a coach. And yeah. he can't miss. He cannot miss on this. Well, and not um, when you when not when you've got a situation like this one either. I mean, this is not no. this is not a typical. You know, you've you've got to be able to deliver really quickly. You can't be on a yacht somewhere, you know, in the Atlantic and and wait no. you know, three months to hire a dude. You've got to be on it now. So no, I think he's been on it for two months, and yeah. I think he's got his guy, and I think it'll Great. be introduced in the next two weeks. Would be my guess. Um, so for Thad Mata's legacy, what's that? This is a trickier one. Um, because of the way that it ended and the ending does have to be part of the legacy. Um, but to me, what Thad Mata did was with the utmost class and um, with head held high and in, with complete integrity, he built a national basketball power. Okay? And I think what he did was he showed you what Ohio State basketball at its best can be. And to me, that's what, that's what the two years when Sullinger was here represent. That, to me, is, the, is what the Ohio State basketball program at its best can be. Great Ohio players who understand what Ohio State on the jersey means to the state of Ohio. Transcendent players who come around with older kids who have been developed. Diebler, Buford, Lighty, Sullinger, Kraft, adding them to the mix. Lauderdale, Ravenel, role players. That to me is is the is what Ohio State at its best is, and so while the, Thad's legacy has this end part where he loses momentum and loses kind of an identity and can't figure out all of that happened, but it's also he pulled the program out of the depths of despair, and he took it to heights almost immediately with that Connolly Oden class, which is a that class is the bedrock of it all because without that class, I don't know if everything follows, but that proved that he was ready to recruit at an absurdly high level. Yeah. Um, so, so that starts it, but the real apex of it to me is the two years Sullinger's here. Uh, Diebler, Lighty, Buford, Sullinger, Kraft, Deshaun Thomas, that group, um, that, that to me is what Ohio state can be at its best. And that's really good. I mean, that's really good. You're the number <laughs> yeah, one overall seed the one year. The next year, you're a two seed, and you get to a Final Four. Um, I mean, there were some incredible moments in those two years. There were. And, well, in, in the entire tenure, really. I mean, Oh, thing, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I wasn't a huge Ohio State basketball fan when I was younger. I was, you know, I'm from Middletown. I was a big Cincinnati Bearcats basketball fan. I loved Ohio State football, but Cincinnati Bearcats was my college basketball team. And uh, it wasn't until I got to Ohio State as a student that I really started following Ohio State basketball. And a lot of those just moments are just like, you know, embedded in my brain. And I can recall them at any time I want and just think, oh, my God, I love Thad Mata. Because that kind of stuff was got, I think, what helped me get more interested in the sport of basketball uh, up here. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this a little tongue in cheek. But how nice is it that we got rid of a coach not because of scandal or because of impropriety, but just because they didn't they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They weren't very good. Like, like when was the last time Ohio State got rid of either a head basketball or head football coach because they just didn't <laughs> pass the mustard? Like, seriously, like, how like, long has well, it been? John Cooper. 
John well, yeah, would be but the... even John Cooper, you could argue, was I mean that that thing was just yeah. falling apart. Although I mean, you could it maybe was now. I've but... already heard people have tried to draw parallels between Thad and John, and I do think that John doesn't get enough credit for pulling the programs out of the malaise that it was in towards the end of the Earl Bruce tenure, where they sure. just didn't have talent. Right. Uh, John Cooper made Ohio State a national brand um, in the '90s. I mean, he made it so you could go to Texas and get David Boston. I mean, that's what he did. He changed. He changed yeah. the way the program was. He made Ohio State cool. Yeah. Um, but even now the difference Cooper, between it's been almost two decades. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane. And the the other thing though with Coop though is is Coop has the Michigan noose around his neck. Yeah. And Thad doesn't have that. Right. There's there there's no real albatross with him. <laughs> I mean his his legacy is pretty rock solid. I mean he is he's 49 years old, John. I mean he's. He won 337 games at Ohio State. He won five Big Ten titles, four tournament titles, uh, you know, two Final Fours, four Sweet Sixteens, Elite Eight. I mean, it's a lot. That's I mean, a it's a lot. It's, to go on. it's really good. It's yeah. really good. I mean, in his only year without 20 wins was this year. Right. There, you know, there, he made some mistakes with his coaching staff. It reminded me some of what I saw with Bobby Bowden at the end of his ter- tenure when I was down there in Florida, which was infinitely sad. But he lost Mark Richt, and he lost Chuck Amato, and he tried to recruit, replace him with guys who just didn't have the juice that those other guys did. And I think some of that happened to Thad, too. Um, I think he made, and I love this person individually, but I think he made a big gamble on Greg Paulus, mm, uh, that, yeah. that Greg would be a real difference maker with AAU and would be a huge recruiting coup. And it just hasn't been that way. Um, right. he just hasn't been that, um, I'm not putting it all at Greg Paulus's feet. It's not, I mean, it's a staff <laughs> thing. I mean, it's yeah, Chris absolutely. Gent, it's, it's Dickerson, it's Mata, it's all of them. But I mean, he took, I mean, Greg was a, a young unproven guy who had a name in college basketball. And I think Thad thought that he would be, you know, a coup on the recruiting trail and it just, it didn't happen. And well, just um, attrition and, in general. I mean, it, you know, you look at some yeah. of these things that he lost, I but mean, he does, he never had a bulldog. Yeah, I mean, he never had, you know, when the Miller guys left, and and as the as the staff was started to get picked for here and there for for coaches, um, you know, he I don't know that he replaced the coaches who left with the same quality of guys as the ones who left, right? Um, and it all was it all came back to recruiting in the end. It all came back to recruiting, and they just they didn't have an identity in recruiting anymore. Um, to me, the Ohio State basketball program should be the one that gets the best kids in the state of Ohio. I mean, Trey, Trey Burke should have been a Buckeye, and Karis LeVert should have been a Buckeye, and Nigel Hayes should have been a Buckeye, and uh, Luke Kennard should have been a Buckeye. I mean, if all those guys are Buckeyes, we're not talking right now about the end of Thad Mata. You know? <laughs> no. You're talking about a sustained excellence. Yeah, 10-year extension. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a national power. And for yeah. whatever reason, and he'd, he'd be the, I don't know if you'd ever even get an honest answer out of it, but for whatever reason, after the that run of Ohio kids, Buford, Buford, Lighty, Diebler, Sullinger, Kraft, after that run of them, he went national with that class, that next class, that LaQuinton Ross, Shannon Scott, Amir Williams, and then he just couldn't find his way back and had alienated the coaches in Ohio, especially the AAU coaches. I kind of laid out earlier why I think that happened. but um, And then at the end, there's just no identity. I mean, there's no identity to the program. I mean, you got kids in the, in Columbus going to North Carolina. That can't happen, right? You know, yeah. You can't have Luke Kennard, who's a little over an hour away, going to Duke. 
Well, and especially when you've got every recruiting advantage possible, uh, especially yeah. for a guy like Luke Kennard. I mean, I, I know Luke Kennard was going to be going to Duke probably regardless, but the, you just cannot cede that kind of influence from national powers like Duke and, and North Carolina to, you know, to the state of Ohio. Like, that just shouldn't happen. Um, no, and the only disadvantage of this job is the building. The building stinks. Right. That's it. I mean, that's the only problem. Everything else, and that's why when people from out of state tell, call me and they go, yeah, I did a lot of radio in the last couple of days, they're like, oh, they, their sites are set too high. I mean, they've heard the names and that we've heard, and, and they say, oh, they, no one, they, this isn't the Carolina job. And I said, well, no, it's not, but it's in the next rung, and there's infinite resources, and the state of Ohio is loaded with basketball talent. Um, so it, it's pretty good. And whoever they hire, if, you know, the reason, if they missed on somebody, it's not going to be because of money. That no. I assure you, they can pay. <laughs> if you're going to build an ice hockey arena, you can pay a basketball coach nine million if you want. Yeah, there. Yeah, that the next guy might be the highest paid coach in the country. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be up there. Yeah, I mean, they can they have a blank check. They can pay whatever they want to pay. Um, in terms of what's next, uh, again, I I'm in pretty emphatic on this that Gene already knows who his guy is, and he wouldn't have made this hire if he didn't. Um, I I think that I think that it will be a name. Um, I believe that, that I don't think, I don't necessarily think this is going to be the guy, but I, I'm certain that there has been a flirtation with Billy Donovan. I believe that, um, I know when Billy left Florida, he didn't really want to recruit anymore. He wanted to coach in the NBA. Well, he t went to Oklahoma city thinking he was coaching Durant and Westbrook. Durant leaves after one year. And now he said, I mean, are you really enjoying coaching Russell Westbrook? I mean, how much fun <laughs> can that be? And then despite, even with that, What's your future to be drubbed by the Warriors for the next four years? Yeah. I, you know, if what's you get the upside to that of that, point. right? And Billy could get any job he wants when it comes back. He's close with Urban, their wives are close. Again, I don't want to put false hope in people and, and make them think that Billy Donovan is the guy and it's a done deal. Um, but I believe that's the type of guy that they will hire, that it'll be somebody like that and somebody who has um, some really motivated guys on his staff who will go recruit really motivated that, well, that's, that's what I mean, that'll I, be the dna yeah i think that's probably the biggest thing for them i mean they they want to lock down ohio and they want assurances from the next coach that they will do that because i you know again they see guys like canard leaving and i'm sure that just infuriates you know gene smith like that that cannot sure. happen in ohio state um i mean if you had a situation like that in ohio state football and they lost the best recruit out of Ohio yeah. in like a heated war that they really wanted. Urban Meyer would go nuclear and destroy like the Woody Hayes athletics mm -hmm. there. Like they, I mean, that would be unacceptable. So yeah, I think those same expectations were put on Thad. And Thad was like, eh, <laughs> you know, they tried, sucks, but yeah, we tried. I think they just don't have any. I just think Johnny. I think they did not have an identity. What were they selling? And that's the other part. You know, like what was the, what was the program at the end? Well, and the, okay, so that was the other thing. That's part of the problem. Right. And that was the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, because they had maybe one of the greatest recruiting tools, right, in all of college basketball. And I felt like they never really effectively used him, which is LeBron James. And I know that they, you know, they got him the custom locker and they brought him and he came to games and all that good stuff. But it never felt like a really like a true relationship. And it didn't feel like something that was going to get kids, you know, to Ohio State. I don't know what else they could have done necessarily. And I, and who knows, you know, who the hell knows how much LeBron wants to do, but 
I truly believe that that could have been a huge motivator for a lot of people uh, to come to mm. Ohio State if that was the mentality that you know maybe Thad Mata had that it was basically like a LeBron program. Um, I think they tried to do that at the end. You know yeah, when LeBron not, came back I don't to think Cleveland, they should have. I just, I just they, don't. They, think that the... Yeah, they really couldn't do it when he was in Miami because it was such an unpopular decision for him to be in Miami. I, no, um, see, that's where I think. See, I totally disagree with that. Kids did not care. Like they love. No, LeBron. no, I don't mean the kids, but you have to understand that they're also, you know, Thad Mata, as the head basketball coach at Ohio State, cannot outwardly praise and promote LeBron James when he was with the Miami Heat. Yeah, behind closed doors, you can say we have an association. They wore the LeBron stuff the whole time that LeBron was in Miami. LeBron yeah. came to the games when he was with the Heat, but he can't publicly make a big deal out of it. You know, the way that like Harbaugh makes a big deal out of the Mich- the Air Jordan stuff, because sure. at the time, LeBron was hated in Ohio. You know, know so yeah, he, you're I right with, with like, AU kids, it's different, kid. but he also has to answer for boosters and all of that stuff. Sure. I mean, it's, and if, so and if that's how petty they're going to be, then I, yeah, then I understand that. But I'm just saying, like, man, if you get those kids and you get to a couple Sweet 16s or Elite 8s, nobody cares where LeBron's playing. Like, that, it doesn't really matter. I just, I feel like it was a missed opportunity that they never fully took advantage of. Um, and, and things like that. It's not just LeBron James. It's yeah. other, it, it's other ways to make your program uh, Well, he didn't sell it. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't sell it. it. He didn't have an interest in that. I mean, right. he never and not did. the way that Urban Meyer does. No, so, he does. Let's think about this. What what is their style of play? Yeah, <laughs> right. I have no idea. I mean, it just depends remember, on which game you're watching. Can I mean, I we don't know. Question. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. Do you remember? Uh, this is one of my all time favorite things that ESPN ever ever did. Um, this is towards, I guess, maybe towards the end of like Terrell Pryor's tenure at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put a graphic up on like during one of the football games, and they were talking about styles of offense. So like whether you did like mm-hmm. a power formation or whether you did like a spread sure. offense or yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And there was a huge list, and it said like all the top ten teams. And next to Ohio State, there was just like five question marks. Like that's mm-hmm. that's how I felt about Ohio State basketball for the past that's like right. three to four years. Like I have no idea what they what were. Are they? It was all question marks. Here's here's what the new coach will have to do. He'll have to establish an identity immediately. Yes. So how are we going to play? Uh, you come to Ohio State, how are we going to play? That's number one. Number two, they will change. The new coach, I believe, will change the scheduling philosophy. They, he, will not, he will not give the month of December away the way that Thad has done so frequently yeah. with the awful schedule that Ohio State basketball plays. Yeah. Um, number three, he will be the type of marketer that Urban Meyer is. And, or at least the people who work for Urban Meyer are, it will be a full court. Really, since Jeff Bowles left, who has promoted that program? <laughs> nobody. I mean, that's nobody. I mean, I mean there's, nobody. there's been no face. Yeah. Nothing. Like right. Bowles was at least active on social media and worked. I mean, nothing. Yeah. Just that- nothing. And so like, what is there, you know, what is those things will be the new coach will have those things. Yeah. Um, the, the scheduling philosophy will change immediately. There will be an identity in recruiting and in style of play. And he'll, he will be a major marketer. I mean, so whether it's Billy Donovan, I don't know, but if it's not him, it'll be somebody who does check the boxes the way that Billy Donovan would. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's the way that I think this thing is going. Um, I was asked the question today. I'll pose it to you. Do you think that model will coach again? To me, he already answered this emphatically. Um, but yes, he will. And he'll get a great job. 
he will get a very good job when he does coach again. You know what? So a lot of people were saying, I mean, that his health plays a consideration into it. Maybe I'll just be like bitter about how this all turned out. I'm like, dude, you said at the top of this, dude's 49 years old. He's not yet 50. Yeah. He right. clearly loves coaching and doing what he's doing. There is no way in hell he's not coaching within the next year or two. Like I, I have no, there is no way he does not go back to coaching for as long as he is physically able to do it. Um, I, I disagree with a lot of what Thad Mata did as a coach at Ohio State, but that does not invalidate the fact that he is an excellent coach who knows the game of basketball frontwards and backwards. Uh, he's going to do it as long as he possibly can. So he 100% we'll go back into coaching. Um, I think it's Here's just the, the other thing. thing on that front because of his surgery, he can't play golf. Yeah. <laughs> so really the only thing that Thad can do, and I mean this seriously, I've had conversations with him about this, the, about the only things he can do is coach. I mean, he, he's a good family man, but yeah. when he was off, he's got this place on this lake up, up, up uh, North of Columbus. Mm-hmm. And he would just go up there and drink a nice bottle, drink some nice bourbon and relax. I mean, that was his deal. But he doesn't, because he can't play golf, which he used to love to do, he, he doesn't have hobbies. I mean, he's a basketball coach. Right. And he's 49. Yeah. Like, he's not going, he's not I'm gunning sorry. for the Shawshank Redemption ending quite yet. I think he's. No, he's 49 years old, man. He can coach another 15 years. And from what I understand, his health's gotten better um, yeah. from, from the low point that he, he's improved a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, and I think. You know, I had somebody to meet today tell me, well, what would it be like D2, D3, you know, just for the love of coaching? I said, hell no. No. Oh. If Rick Barnes can coach Texas and Tennessee and Clemson. How many D1 teams are? There's, there's hundreds of D1 I mean, teams. There's no way. Well, and there's great jobs. I mean, there's right. great jobs. And they said, well, he doesn't like to travel. And I said, okay, so then go coach in the ACC. Yeah. Like you're telling me like if the North Carolina State or the Wake Forest job comes or even Clemson, what if Clemson came open? Oh, yeah. No, in a second. You no, know? I mean, there's all sorts of good jobs. Yeah. You know, what if the Florida basketball job came open in a couple of years, you know, in two years or one of the, you know, there's all sorts of jobs where he would floor. I wouldn't, t- I'm, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if he coached again in the Big Ten. Um, I, I think it's, there's a lot of places where he would do very, very well and he will have an interest in doing so. I mean, if you, uh, think- you have not heard the last of him. Absolutely not. And if you think of the way that some other coaches have crashed and burned at other high profile jobs and then how they immediately were picked up elsewhere, there is no way in hell that that Mata is sitting on the sidelines oh. with no offers and no desire. Like he's, he's going to no. be out there probably within a year or so. Uh, at I'll the, tell you at what, most. one to watch for would to me would be Louisville. If Rick Pitino retires in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. I could really, I think he could go there and win a lot. And would like it. I mean, it's a similar city, tons of money, great facilities, basketball crazy. I mean, I think that would be the type of gig that he would he could get in a second. He'd get a job like that. I mean, he's this guy. You have to remember that. I know that we're in this Ohio State bubble, but if you listen to national people respond to this, it is with nothing short of absolute shock. Oh yeah, no, yes. Like, wait a second, Ohio State fired that guy. Yeah, they can't make sense of it. You know, so his perception around the country is even better than it is in the state of Ohio. Um, so he'll get a great job if he wants one, no doubt. Yeah, he'll get picked up. So, yeah, it's it's a fun tenure. Um, there are so many moments and and so many things, and I I think the thing, and I I sent this, I sent an email 
uh, this afternoon to him. And I don't know if he gets it. I don't think you, who care. I'm sure he doesn't care, but I'll <laughs> share with you what I, what I sent to him. And I, I, what I sent to him was that it was a privilege to cover his program. Um, it was, and it was, it was, there was some, it was gratifying to know that you were covering a clean program. And I know this for a fact, they lost more than one kid because they wouldn't bend the rules when it came to paying kids. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't play dirty ball, dirty ball. Other programs did, and they got the kids. It's as simple as that in a couple of occasions that I know of for fact. And when I would, you know, represented him or Ohio State or whatever doing the coaches show stuff, I always had pride in that, knowing that I was talking to a guy who did it the right way on the straight and narrow and did not bend the rules. And he'll be missed by me. Um, he has way more personality than the people who aren't around him don't know about because he doesn't he's not really interested in publicizing himself and he's not really interested in being out there. And that was some of his undoing too, because they lost some of the juice in the program that way. Um, but he was a joy and he represented Ohio state in a damn fine way. And whoever is the guy to replace him, it's big shoes. And I think they'll find somebody great and he'll probably do a great job. And I think Gene already knows who it is. Um, but Thad Mata set, set the program and gave you an example of what the program can be at its absolute best. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that was, I think mean, that's awesome of you to do that, first of all. And, and secondly, like, I think we often forget that this is, this is so hard. Like, it's, it sucks so bad to do these jobs. Because the amount of pressure, the kind of stuff that you walk into with maybe not understanding the lay of the land especially given the kind of expectations Ohio State places on their on their head coaches in basketball and football. Um, it's just, it's a grind. For somebody to do that for as long as he did and have the kind of success that he did over the period of time that he did, like, I don't really have a problem with his firing. I get it. I understand why it happened. But, man, he had a good run. And I don't, I would hope that people don't forget that. And what I'm a little heartened by, I guess, is the idea that, you know, because this isn't scandal related. This isn't some kind of huge controversy that everybody's angry about and that it, you know, puts a black mark on the university that people will remember what he was able to do because where Ohio state was when he started coaching here and where it is now is night and day. And it's, it's entirely because of him. And that's a, that's a big deal. So he deserves to be remembered, I think in the most positive way possible uh, for all the reasons that you just kind of pointed out. And also because, you know, for me personally, my formative years at Ohio State were all about Thad Mata and, you know, the Thad Five and everybody else. And th that was fun mm -hmm. for me. And I'm always going to remember that. Like, that's something that yeah. I'm constantly going to take away. There are two things there are two things I'm going to remember about Thad Mata uh, aside from Ohio State. One is I went to a Catholic high school in southwestern Ohio. So everybody loved Thad Mata in the early mm -hmm. 2000s. Because, uh, you know, he's at Xavier and he's beaten the, yeah. the heathens at Cincinnati in the Crosstown shootout. <laughs> right. and, and the second one is I went to this uh, charity event called the Pigskin Round Ball that's done. Uh, it's a uh, scholarship fundraiser in Middletown. And I remember that it was the speakers at the Pigskin Round Ball were Luke Fickle, Urban Meyer and Thad Mata. And Thad Mata mm -hmm. had to follow both Luke Fickle and Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. And you know, 
Luke Fickle and Ermey are really straight to the point, very serious, you know, blah, 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 raising young men and uh, blah, blah. And then Thad Mata comes in, and the first thing that he does is make a joke making fun of uh, Xavier fans. Yeah. <laughs> in Ohio. And I'm like, this is my dude. Like, this is the yeah. guy. He goes in to Mason and says, like, yeah, they're about running me out with pitchforks and, you know, like yeah. you know, torches and stuff. And I get, just got out of here with the skin of my teeth. And I'm like, the balls on this dude to come in and just yep. like rag on people. And I, I don't know the, the guy humor. was a great sense of humor, great personality, great coach. Uh, and that's how I'm going to remember him. So it sucks that it kind of ends this way, but you know, I'm going to remember the good stuff and I hope that Ohio state fans do too. Cause he was a cool guy. I think most he will. Cool he's not dead. He re, he, yeah. He's only 49. He'll remain a cool guy. Yeah. It's amazing. He got your job at 36. I mean, wrap your mind around that at 36 years old. He was a head coach at Ohio state. It's crazy. Um, all right. We'll skip, ask us anything this week. We're going to need him uh, down the road for sure. So we will skip that this week. Cause obviously a big newsy uh, show today. Um, but yeah, I know that you do want to mention the Woody Hayes statue, uh, which is an ongoing effort with us at 11 warriors and how people yeah. can get involved with that. Yeah, absolutely. So we are, we post it periodically on the website, you know, I'll include a link in the post to this, but we are working pretty hard to try to get a statue of Woody Hayes uh, to commemorate, you know, his life, his accomplishments in his hometown of uh, newcomer, newcomers town uh, over there in Eastern Ohio. And right now they don't have really much of anything to commemorate Woody Hayes. And we thought that wasn't really, you know, appropriate we we think he deserves to have that kind of acknowledgement where he's from so we've been working pretty hard to get donations to get a statue built of him and uh just if you guys can contribute if you can spread the word around any businesses any friends family members whatever please do that because uh we think it's a good cause and we think it's something that you know his hometown deserves as well so i'll put a link to that in the post and and hopefully you guys can check it out all right. Very good, buddy. So we will uh, talk again next week. I do not know if I don't think we'll have a new basketball coach by next week, but uh, probably I think not we'll have one by the end of next week or the beginning of the next. Uh, I think this will go pretty quickly. So um, crazy times. These are my friends, something about <laughs> yeah. the uh, late May, early June with Ohio State and coaches, because wasn't Thad hired? I think he was hired July 7th. Oh, um, I don't so the summer hires are just it's a crazy thing, my man. Um, but <laughs> Always good to continue the discussion, and uh, this will be a fun thing to follow over the summer as we uh, try to figure out who's going to be the new face of the Buckeye basketball program. So until next week, my man. Yep, absolutely. See you next week, man.